welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and we're always glad that you joined us. That's right, Dr. Linda. Great to talk to you again. And uh, we actually haven't been face-to-face with each other in a few months now. And while it helps to talk to each other over the Internet like we're doing now, it's just not the same being together in the same studio. And actually, it's a little lonely. I know. I know. So you miss me, Chris. That's what you're saying, right? A little bit. Sure. I mean, we're looking at each other on, on the Internet, which, again, not quite the same thing. But I think it's good that we're talking about loneliness on this show because, well, this probably doesn't rank way up there as our biggest lonely moment that we're not face to face on our radio show. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll get back to that because it is more fun to do it face to face and we can joke around a little bit more that way. Um, there are a lot of people that are feeling lonely. We're going to talk about what an almost epidemic that is. But you know, when I was thinking about this topic, all these songs came into my head. I'm a huge James Taylor fan. But don't let me be lonely tonight. And then, of course, Hank Williams, he was lonely too. I'm so lonesome I could cry. That's a classic, isn't it? I mean, I'm a little bit young for that song, but that's one you've heard over and over and over for years. Here's one that everybody will know. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. And how about Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles? Yeah, that's a good one. That's like the most thoughtful song they ever did. It really uh, it really gets to the heart. It does. And I was so shocked. I looked up, I just kind of Googled it, you know, how many songs are there about loneliness? And there was at least 297 that have been cataloged that talk about loneliness. So it's obviously a theme and a feeling that a lot of people experience. Most of us have a moment or some period in our life when we feel lonely, at least from time to time. But some people struggle with that way more than others, too. And, you know, when folks began dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, when we began dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, loneliness really became sort of a topic of discussion. How would you describe loneliness? Here's a definition I like from a book. I'm actually reading this book right now. It's called Togetherness, and it was written by uh, one of our former Surgeon Generals of the United States, Dr. Vivek Murthy. Um, he thought when he became a Surgeon General, Chris, that his whole focus would be on things like diabetes or obesity or substance use. And what shocked him when he started looking at all the things that Surgeon Generals look at is that loneliness kept popping up. And he was so surprised how much this affects the health of the average American that he really made this his focus during his time. So in 2018, he declared a loneliness epidemic here in the United States. And it's not just here. We did a show some time ago where we talked about in the United Kingdom, they appointed a minister of loneliness. That's been on the radar for the government in the UK for quite a while. It is astounding. So it really speaks to how many people are dealing with loneliness. And now this is a great definition. I like this definition. He says it's the discrepancy or the gap between connections you want and the ones that you actually have. So it's about the gap. Hmm. We all want connections with other people, but we don't always have them, right? And I like thinking about it as a gap. In England, when you're riding on the trains, you see these signs when you get off and when you get on that say, mind the gap. 
<laughs> and they're not related to loneliness, actually. They're related to the physical gap of when you get off the train and onto the platform. They don't want anybody dropping things or getting their foot stuck or things like that. But it really makes the point. I mean, we should mind the gap, the gap between wanting friends and not having them. You know, mind the gap could be another one of those T-shirt ideas that we keep coming up with <laughs> uh, concerning mental health. At the rate we're going, we could have an entire department store of Dr. Linda Mental T-shirts. I think you could have that as your new business. You could form your own <laughs> LLC and you could have this as a business. But Me and the kids can run a screen printing machine, you know. <laughs> Day in, day out. I love it. So loneliness is feeling like you're carrying the load of life by yourself, but you would like others to, to be with you. Yes, and that's because, you know, we have such a hunger for meaningful connections with other people. We're just wired to be in relationships. And I'm going to say a few statements, Chris, and then I'm going to ask everybody listening to think about these and see if this describes what you might have felt at one point when you're lonely. I'm unhappy doing so many things alone. Hmm. I have nobody to talk to. I can't tolerate being so alone. I feel as if nobody really understands me. I'm no longer close to anyone. There is no one I can turn to, and I feel so isolated from others. Yeah, those are really good because they, they get to how we feel about being alone. And loneliness is different than chosen solitude and seclusion, isn't it? Yes, and for some reason... When people are dealing with loneliness, there's a stigma or a sense of shame admitting that you're lonely, like somehow you're broken or you're somehow at fault on this. And we really do need to change that. You know, Dr. Murthy in that book says that there are three types of connections that you have to have in order to avoid being lonely. And I, I really think this sums it all up. He says we need some kind of intimate type of relationship so that we know fundamentally that we're loved. The second one, he says, is we need friendships. We need other people in our lives in a friend way. And then uh, we need a network of people who share our purpose. And what he says is all three of those relationships are needed to feel really connected to other people so that you don't get to a point where you're loneliness. So whichever one of those is needed, hopefully we can help in this radio show. You know, we don't think about the third one very much, but it, it does remind me when we changed communities a couple of years ago, our biggest priority was, was getting involved in a church. And I told Sharon, I said, we have to find the people that we are going to connect with and, and, and live with. You know, I agree with that. And that's why church is, is so important to the life of people that are, have faith. It, it does help us to find our tribe, as we sometimes call it, with the purpose of connecting with God. You know, here's how one person put it um, when they were describing their need to connect. She says that more than anything, loneliness for me is about, a, is about feeling alone in a crowd, a certain kind of sadness with not finding my tribe, an inability to relate to the popular values presented in mainstream media in North America, not being able to find a place of comfort and safety outside my own home, a disappointment and a disconnect with the mainstream ways of the world. And we all know that you could have an intimate relationship like a marriage, but still feel lonely for friends or have lots of friends, but then long for an intimate relationship. So how many times have you heard someone say, I'm surrounded by people, but I feel so lonely? Right. Now, lots of people like alone time and use it to recharge. We're not talking about that. Loneliness is more of that feeling of lacking those meaningful connections, those gaps that we're talking about. You have to mind those gaps. That's right. Mind the gaps. Well, today on the Dr. Linda Mental Program, we're talking about lonely no more. And stay with us as we talk more about how you can lose that lonely feeling and make connections after the break. From the moment we're born, we're in relationship. 
At first, we depend on others to take care of us, to meet all of our needs. Then as we grow older, we make friends, we meet school teachers, later a boss at work and a spouse at home. Every relationship is important. Every relationship requires cultivation and nurturing. And at some point or another, every relationship has its challenges and they revolve around conflict. Did you know that you can grow through conflict and become such a healthier you than you ever expected? Well, I want to help you look at conflict in new ways, to approach conflict in ways that work. My book, We Need to Talk, can help you become a better problem solver, learn to negotiate differences, and strengthen all relationships even when conflict seems destructive. Well, let's face it, conflict is an unavoidable part of our everyday life. But conflict doesn't have to overwhelm you or destroy your relationships. We Need to Talk, an important book by Dr. Linda Mental, is written to help you successfully navigate conflict. Find We Need to Talk wherever you buy books online. There's no doubt about it. We are definitely living in the text, Twitter, and email age. The handwritten note has become quite the relic. But just because we don't write much with pen and paper anymore doesn't mean we should forsake the kind and encouraging message. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I want to encourage you to share a kind word. Even if it's a text, the power of telling a friend you're thinking of them, complimenting a success, or just saying, hey, hang in there, can make all the difference. If you've ever had your day interrupted by just a quick but genuine message from someone close, you know how a thought can raise your spirits, rejuvenate your mind, or help you stick on a difficult path because someone just cares. While you're listening right now, someone may come to mind, someone you can encourage with a few words. Take a minute and text, tweet, or email that person. Tell them you value them and the part they play in your life. It just might change their whole day. Lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And today's topic is Lonely No More. And we have a lot more to talk about. But before we move on, I want to remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. And that's where you will find her blogs, books, and you can connect on social media. And it can be a lonely place when you're dealing with chronic pain. So Dr. Linda has a new book out called Living Beyond Pain that helps anyone living with pain get their life back. It's available online and where books are sold. You make a good point, Dr. Linda, when you're stuck at home in pain, not being able to do anything, you can feel a little isolated and lonely. And I want to go on the record saying that Chris acknowledged in the first segment of this show that he was lonely and he missed me. So I just want that to be on the record. It was on the script. I, I had to say that. <laughs> You did not have to say that. All right. Well, getting back to our topic of loneliness, a woman named Michelle said it like this. I'm very good at being chatty and I can talk to anyone, but that doesn't mean I'm able to have those lasting relationships with people. That's an odd place to be. Yeah. And she went on to say, you can be in a group and it can be intimidating because you're conscious of not letting people get to know the real you. I would say I've always had an element of feeling lonely. Ever since I was a teenager, I've always felt a little bit different and separate from large groups of friends. But in the last five years, it's really crept in more. And usually we think of older people feeling lonely. But Michelle, who made those comments, uh, she's in her 20s. Yeah, the, the years between 16 and 24 are often a really time of transition for people. And, you know, it's when you leave home maybe the first time, you're building your identity, you're trying to find new friends. And if you grew up in a disconnected household, Chris, maybe due to divorce, abuse, mental illness, or addiction, or high conflict in the house, you may have felt alone for a long time. So it can be even harder to reach out to other people. 
And then for other people, loneliness can just be this temporary thing. Maybe you're one of those people who actually find it useful to feel a little bit lonely in order to prompt you to get out there to maybe make a new friend or rekindle some type of old friendship. It was interesting when I was looking at this, 41% of people believe that loneliness can sometimes be a positive experience. That's something I've never heard because, uh, like you mentioned in the first segment, loneliness is usually a, a negative, but it can be a good thing. Uh, you were telling me that there was a researcher who was called uh, Dr. Loneliness <laughs> because he had a theory of what happens to lonely people. I think he was called Dr. Loneliness because I'm not sure how to say his, his name, actually. It's Dr. Cacciapo. Cacciapo. I think that could be it. I think yeah. you got it. He said, your body understands being alone or being with strangers as an emergency. So that means that when your body feels that way, it goes into this emergency fight or flight kind of reaction. And over time, he says, you can develop this hypervigilance in response to being isolated or being alone. And then it gets embedded into your nervous system and it produces that anxiety that you associate a lot of times with loneliness. He talked about this more and Dr. Murthy, whose book I was reading said, what happens is we breathe fast, our heart races, our blood pressure rises, we don't sleep. And then we act fearful and defensive and kind of get all self-involved, you know, focused on ourselves, And all of that will drive away people who might actually want to help. And this hypervigilance that you can develop then tends to stop lonely people from doing what would benefit them the most, which is reaching out to others. And makes sense. And then you have all of the problems that loneliness brings on. And this is really important, Chris, because lonely people are more likely to die earlier they do have more health problems, they have a lower quality of sleep, and they have even more impulsive behavior. So this really makes me think about all the lonely people in nursing homes and people that are living on the streets that are actually homeless and how much more at risk they are for all kinds of health problems due to their loneliness. You know, we need to remember that. We need to be reaching out. We need to be doing what we can to help people who are in these conditions uh, loneliness is a lot like feeling homeless, even if you have a roof over your head. Let's look back at the, the, the time of quarantine with the coronavirus. Any of the behavior that we saw on the news, for that matter, could have been related to loneliness. Yeah, they found in terms of looking at this, that loneliness is linked to anxiety, to violence, mm. to trauma, to crime, to suicide, to depression, and even all the political polarization that we see. So here's the thing. When you're deeply connected to other people and you're not lonely, you listen better to other people, you give them the benefit of the doubt, you have a relationship that leads to dialogue, which then ramps down all that unrest and that anger that we see in our culture. So getting people into relationships with each other could help a lot of our social problems right now, possibly. Where do you think technology plays a role in that? You know, it doesn't help, I don't think, to make people less lonely. It's more of an illusion because you don't really get to know a person until you deal with them, I think, face-to-face and in person. You don't know if they're really being vulnerable when you're online. You know, you're trying to get to know them. Technology does help us connect with people, but that deep need to be known just cannot be made over our devices. In fact, the lady Michelle, who we've been quoting, says this, through blogging, people have been in touch, and that's great. But when I'm at my lowest, going on Instagram and seeing people having these amazing lives and enjoying themselves does make you feel, why can't I have that? Mm, That is true. You see the highlight reel of everyone's life on social media and makes you say, hey, wait, what's what's wrong with me? Then you feel worse. So if we could fix loneliness, 
we could probably fix a lot of problems. So in the last 30 years, you know, I've been a therapist and I've seen the, what the lack of human connection do. And I'll tell you, Chris, it's at the root of so many issues. When you connect with people, it's very healing for all kinds of problems, especially for trauma. Like I mentioned, we're born to be relational creatures. We need each other. And we're either driven by love or fear. And love of God, connecting to God, that's probably the healthiest way that you can get healing. It's the foundation of the church, and it's one reason why we really need to fellowship with other people at an actual church. Okay, well, I'm going to be a man and uh, give you a typical man response and say, let's get some solutions to this and fix the problem. That's right. So one thing you can do immediately is you can find an activity to distract you from feeling lonely. Mm. Now, I know that's the temporary fix, right? But it does help. Working, studying, enjoying a hobby, it gets your mind off of what you don't have away from the thoughts of loneliness, and it shifts your brain away from that bad feeling. And if you want to begin interacting with people, where do you start? So start with small talk. You know, it's how you initially break the ice with people. I know that takes a lot of courage and even a little bit of skill, but if you can rehearse a few sentences like, oh, hey, it's a beautiful day, or I really like your shoes, or, you know, something that you notice about the person, just something that will engage another person that gets you started, at least, in a conversation. Now, it may not go great if you're not used to having great conversations, but you have to practice this stuff. You could also send a text if it's somebody that you know. And again, it's going to feel really awkward if you're not used to doing this, but the more you practice it, the better you'll get. And then these small interactions that you start to force yourself to have will really begin to make you feel less isolated. You could walk up to someone and say, I like the way your hair smells. <laughs> probably would get you immediate rejection if you did that. <laughs> so probably better to try to figure this out that would get people to want to talk to you. That's right. It is risky, and you have to put yourself out there knowing someone may ignore you, even if you do come to them with a normal question. But you do have to try, and what else can you do? Well, I think it's good to find a like-minded group or person. We've been having lots of conversations in these these days about diversity of friends and getting people who are not like you and understanding how other people feel. But when you're really trying to connect, it's easier with people who share your interests. And this is why, if you're a person of faith, the church can be a place to connect because people there have the same sort of worldview that you do. And it's a, it's a commonality that can bring you close together. You know, Dr. Linda, you mentioned finding connections in churches, and you probably know this as well as anybody. A lot of people feel lonely even in the church. So when we come back from the break, let's talk about this problem of loneliness in the church, and then let's look to the Bible for some spiritual encouragement as well. Only the Everyone worries, don't they? Well, just listen to the nightly news or read the economic forecast or even talk to your family. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel. Opportunities to worry present themselves many times during our day. So why would God tell us not to worry when it almost seems like it's impossible? First, he knows the physical damage worry does to our bodies. Second, he wants to calm us down by taking the burden of control away from us. Hey, we don't have control. No matter how much we think we do, he does. And third, he wants us to trust him. The root of worry is doubting God. Doubt is not trusting that God is who he says he is, or he will do what he says he will do. So every day, take your worries to God. 
Rehearse His goodness, accept His grace, and walk in the confidence that He is in control and He's working all things for your good. Some days I simply have to fight discouragement. When those days come, I like to read the Psalms and meditate on the cure for my discouragement. Take Psalm 103, for example. David, feeling discouraged, talks to himself in a way that uplifts his soul. He tells his soul to bless the Lord and to remember the benefits of serving God. David wrote this psalm to encourage himself in the Lord, something I know I need to do regularly. Instead of focusing on all of his problems, David decided to engage his will and rehearsed the goodness of God. He begins the psalm by blessing the Lord. Then he speaks to his soul and reminds himself of all that God does for those who are faithful to him. So when you feel discouraged, do what David did and encourage yourself in the Lord. It will transform that discouragement to praise and gratitude. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website or online. Her latest is Living Beyond Pain. It's a book to help anyone living with pain get their life back with practical tools that are not related to taking drugs. Check out her website, drlindamental.com. That's where you will find the book, Living Beyond Pain, and you can connect on social media as well. And, of course, don't forget that this uh, radio program is available as a podcast on iTunes. And, Dr. Linda, before the break, we were talking about uh, you know joining a church, being involved in a church is a good way to help combat loneliness. But we also hear that a church can be a very lonely place as well. What do you think about that? Well, I get it. I totally get it because I have felt very lonely, especially in really big churches where you can come and go and nobody even knows that you've been there. And then you have a, a major issue in your life and you're not connected. I mean, you're, you're showing up. It's a big church. You can be very anonymous in big churches and then you don't have any connection points. So I totally get that when people say that. And I don't know any other antidote to that, Chris, than just getting involved in some type of small group. And I don't mean you have to have a small group in your house meeting because not everybody likes to do that. But I think you have to get involved in some part of the church. You and I were in the choir. That was our small group. We got to know the people in our choir. We felt connected to the church because of the choir. And you did a couple other things, too, didn't you? Just to stay out of trouble, yes. (laughs) Did you get other people in trouble? Because you had a small Bible study group, I think, with people in the same life cycle that you were in, right? Demographically, we were all connected, and, and we found that to be very important as far as there's the word again, just staying connected. And uh, it, it helped to combat that feeling of where are we? What are we doing? Why are we here? And that type of thing. Yeah. And for people who don't have family living near them, and that's a lot more people these days, then that small group of people that you connect with in your church, you know, they're going to be there when you're when somebody's sick, they can help if you need a ride to the airport or something that you need. You've got a group of people that you've been doing life with. I mean, it's the name of our show, Doing Life Together. Right. You've got those people. So that is a really important thing to do. Before we move on, uh, Dr. Linda, we have some notes on exercise and loneliness. You know what I say about exercise, Chris. It's like a help to everything we do, right? It right. improves your mood. It gets your endorphins going in your head because of that. It it just makes people feel better. And actually, when you're exercising, you actually can meet people. Right. Uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of walking the dog. I've met new neighbors when I do that. We talk. We connect. Animals are great for that kind of thing. Or you can go out and walk in your neighborhood. And you can meet people you never knew. 
or, you know, when we're able to go into gyms and, you know, do some normal life, you can meet people doing that. So I think exercise is such a great way to connect with other people and get in a fitness group, get with a a group that wants to do Zumba or something that you really enjoy. That's right. We'd gotten nearly to the end of the show and I knew you wanted to talk about exercise. So I'm glad we touched on that. (laughs) But let's talk more about volunteering and the church. It's really a good way to stay connected. It is. And I can't stress how much better you feel when you volunteer. I know we're doing that to serve other people, and that really is the point of volunteering. But when you do that, you feel so much better. And there are so many charities, so many help organizations that really need your help. You just have to look around a little bit. You know, Chris, I have a friend that was really struggling with loneliness, and and she became very depressed in that process. And she started to volunteer to help feed the homeless with a group in her city. And she got so involved that not only did her loneliness go away, but so did her depression. And then she got more people involved and she really expanded their ministry. And she felt like she had such purpose when she was doing this, that this was really something very healing. It was very powerful. You feel good and you like to have purpose when you do that. You know, if you look at all of the nonprofit organizations in your area, and especially your church, uh, everyone is always looking for workers to help. There's plenty of opportunities. It's really something good to do. But, you know, Chris, we don't have a lot of time left. I think it would be really good to encourage with some scriptures because the Bible just has so much to say about not feeling lonely and you don't have to be lonely. So I'm going to use these last few minutes and let's go over some scriptures and just even read some of those because God says, if you have a relationship with him, you're never lonely. Here's Psalm 73, 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. Right. Here's a familiar one. Everyone knows this one. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yeah, that's a very familiar verse, but a powerful one. And here's a less familiar one in Zephaniah 317. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Mm. Go back to Psalm 7212. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. That's right. Now, Isaiah 2, 19, 20 has a beautiful image of our intimacy with God. And I will betroth you to me forever. Mm. Wow. Forever. There's no divorce there. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. And I'm just going to stop on that verse because that's a scripture that says, I've got you. You're with me forever. You are never ever, ever going to be lonely. So the antidote to lonely no more is to have that direct intimacy with God and to do whatever you can based on the things we've told you in this show to work those relationships. So call on our powerful God who wants to call you friend. And then remember, do your part by putting yourself out there and exercising some self-care. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. 
And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.